All right. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are wrapping up this series, this four-week series that we have entitled People That Pray. And I know for myself, it's been a joy and a, and a God's just done a, a good work in my heart as I've just really gone to him with some specific things that I believe that God wants me to pray about in regards to this church, in regards to this city, in regards to this nation and world. And we gave you this card and on the back of it, there were things that, that guided you through some specific things that we were encouraging you to pray for and to pray with us as a church. And I don't have time to go through all of those, but hopefully this has maybe spurred you to get more consistent with your prayer time with God. I know I've heard many of you come to me and say, man, I've, I've grown in my prayer time. I've developed a healthy habit. I've gotten more engaged again with my prayer life. Or maybe I never had really one, and, and I've been able to see God develop that in me. And remember, we gave those steps, the practical steps, if, if you were struggling, to get alone, to pray out loud with a list on your knees. And many of you have said how that has helped you as well. And so let me just say this, because... Not that I believe it needs to be stated, but at the same time I'm going to state it, that just because we're wrapping up a series on prayer doesn't mean we stop praying for our church, for our city, for our nation and world. Amen? All right, I hope so. And so I'm going to encourage you to keep on praying, to keep this card. I'm going to keep it in my Bible to just guide me in my prayer walk with the Lord. And, and I don't know about you, but I want God to continue to grow that in me day after day after day, year after year after year, until I'm with Jesus one day. And I hope that's your heart as well. And we define prayer like this. We did this all the way back four weeks ago. The prayer is this. This is the way we define it for this series. It's talking with our Heavenly Father, talking with our Heavenly Father, knowing that He is listening. Isn't that awesome? That we have the opportunity and privilege to know that you and I, if we're a child of God, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We believe in his perfect life lived for us, his perfect death for our sins. He rose again three days later, and I'm not relying on the good that I do to have a relationship with God and a home in heaven one day, but I'm relying on what Jesus has done for me. If that's you today, then you have the privilege of talking with your heavenly Father. How awesome is that? And not just that you're talking with your Heavenly Father, because how many of us have been talking, let's say, with our spouse, and you know they're not listening? Like, I'm a pastor, so I should be honest, should I not? So I've been accused of that at least one or, once or twice. Like, they're talking, but I know you're not listening. We never have to struggle with that with our Heavenly Father. We know that He's listening, but here's the deal, and we also know that he'll answer for our good and ultimately for his glory and how awesome that is. And we've been looking at throughout this series of the importance of prayer. How do we pray? What should we pray for our church? What should we pray for our city? And today we're going to focus on praying for our nation and world. And what I want you to understand as we get into this passage of scripture here in a few minutes is that God's heart is not only for you. It is for you, but it's not only for you. Say this, not only for me. God's heart is not only for you. It's not only for this local church. It's not only for our city of Winston-Salem, but it's also for our nation and world. 
And what is God's desire? It's that our nation and world would hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's heart for you. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Christ, that's God's heart for you. That's God's heart for our church to see that happen. That's God's heart for our city. And that's God's heart for our nation and world. And that's our focus this morning. And so if I want to show you, just read you some passages of Scripture that clarify and nail down that reality. 2 Peter 3.9 says this about our Lord. He's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. His desire is that every man, woman, and child would hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we know this well. If you call this place our home, this is where our mission statement comes from, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Here's the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples, what does it say? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. What does it say in Acts 1, 8? Jesus' last words to his disciples before he goes and ascends into heaven. He looks at his disciples and he says there, you shall be my witnesses. And then he divides it up into three categories, which are also the way that you could divide up the book of Acts, just as a side note. He says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your city, which that's Acts 1 through 8. Be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria, in your regions, that's chapters 8 through 12. And then he says also to the ends of the earth. That's chapters 13 through 28. And what is Jesus stressing? That my heart is not only for you, my heart is not only for your city, my heart is not only for your church, but my heart is for the nations, for our nation and our world. And so what I want to do right now is I just want to take a time of prayer. Because we have a lot of, we have a lot of things that that we need to pray for even in this month. With Dave and Bree Jacobson launching out and starting officially their church September 24th. And that couple is near and dear to our hearts because they're part of us. They came from our church. But look at this. We also have Joel and Kim Smelly. Joel has come and preached for us a couple different times during the summer. And they're planning in Charlotte just an hour or so south of us. And they're launching next week. How awesome is that? September 10th. We got John and Sarah Feek. John and Sarah Feek are planting in Ogden, Utah. Mormon country. Where literally it's like going to a place that has never heard the gospel before. Sarah is close with my wife Lori and she says, you know how she lets people know that she's not a Mormon? She walks around with a shirt that says, I love coffee and Jesus. <laughs> so you got that. 9 a.m. didn't get that. 9 a.m., you guys are sharp, sharp today. You slept in a little bit longer. Yeah, and that's what she does. And it's amazing. When they went to Ogden, Utah, the representative, and, and, and they're also a Southern Baptist church, the representative of the Southern Baptist Convention there over Utah literally tried to scare them to not come. Because people went there and people left and people went and people left. And it's amazing to see that they have assembled over 50 people already in a place that is extremely hesitant to the gospel. And where spiritual warfare is heavy like it would be in third world countries. How awesome is that? John and Serafique launching next week. Derek and Sharon Ward 
launching September 24th in Barbados. How many of you think we should take a missions trip there? <laughs> right? Oh, you're, we'll be like, hey, we, we need to rent a plane. Yeah, they're launching in Barbados, September 24th. And what's so awesome is in Barbados, the culture is, it's so hard to get men to come to anything. And it's been awesome to see how he's been able to not only have ladies come and be involved in that core group, but also men, and they're launching September 24th. We got, and then obviously we have the Jacobsons. That's just this month. And what's awesome is, is that 5% of our giving goes to make that stuff happen. I don't know about you, but that's a tremendous return on investment. And we get to be a part of that because our resources have gone to help that. How about praying for Houston? How about praying for Houston? And you, could, you would have to live in a cave to not know the devastation that has gone on there from Hurricane Harvey. And we have churches that are a part of our fellowship that are there. In fact, just to give you a little bit preview, at the end of our service, we're taking up an offering for Harvest Houston for the people in their church, and then to, for them also to meet the needs of those surrounding that area outside of their church. How about praying for them? It's about praying for our nation and world. And so I'm going to pray out loud by name for these things, and I want you to pray along with me. And I hope that you've been praying for some of these things for these churches. It was on our website for you to go to to pray through those during this prayer series. So would you join me as I pray out loud? God, I thank you today. But I love that song that we sang, You Hold It All. Lord, in a world where we wonder sometimes if that's reality, God, we know that it is. And we know that you're coming back one day to right all wrongs. But God, in the midst of the bad, God, you've provided the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus Christ. And you are a good God, and you do hold it all. So God, as we focus in this last message of this series on the importance of praying for our nation and world, God, we lift up these churches that will be beginning in these next, in next week, in these next couple weeks, in this month. And God, thank you that we don't deserve to be a part of that. But God, you give us the opportunity to take the resources that are yours and give back those back to you so that you can use those not just for growing us here in our local church and for our city, but also to see what you're doing across our nation and world. God, we praise you for that. God, we pray for Joel and Kim Smelly. God, I thank you for the calling that you placed on their life to start another gospel-centered church in Charlotte. And God, would you, would you provide for them? God, would your presence be felt as they launch next week? Would your power be evident in that place? And God, would you provide people to come and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would they see people saved next week? God, we pray for Lord uh, John and Sarah Feek in such a hard place to do church. But God, we thank you that, Lord, you have blown critics' minds away that it could even happen. And God, you get the glory for that. But God, we thank you for these partners that we get to partner with. God, would you provide your presence and your power and your people in that place? God, we thank you for Derek and Sharon and God, love this couple so much and for what you're doing in Barbados and the way that, that men who are seen to be so um, adverse to the gospel are coming to Christ. And God, we praise you for that. And God, we thank you for the way that you're building your church there. God, we thank you so much for Dave and Bree. And Lord, we love them dearly. 
And God, we thank you for the opportunity to send them out. God, we thank you for their obedience to go. And God, we pray that you would give them once again your presence and your power and that they would see people come to know you as their Savior. God, thank you for your provision for them as they launch out there in Madison, Wisconsin. God, we lift up Houston and the surrounding areas to you. God, we pray for those people that have lost everything. God, we pray for your church in Houston. God, would you give those leaders and those members strength, many of them losing all of their possessions themselves, but God, would your gospel go forth in a way that it would not be able to go through if it was not for this storm. And God, would you compel our hearts to, to give of our own resources to help the gospel go forth there. God, thank you for the opportunity to pray for what you are doing beyond ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me give you the idea that I want you to get across today in the remaining time that we have left. And here it is. Here it is. The prayers that you and I pray reveal who and what we value most. Think about it. Even today or this past week, as you've gotten alone with God, think about the prayers that you prayed. Because the prayers that I pray reveal who and what I value most. And the prayers that you pray reveal who and what you value most. And so thinking about that idea and thinking about that concept, what I want to do this morning is just give you four types of prayer that I believe every one of us pray. Some of us, it may be all four types. Some of us, it may be a couple. Some of us, maybe one. But I believe that our prayers can be categorized in these four ways, and here's the first one, selfish prayers. Selfish prayers. I like to call these, these are often sporadic prayers. These are not like I'm getting alone with God every day and I'm calling out to Him. These are probably, these are most likely, if not always, sporadic prayers. They're 911 prayers, right? And I mean, like I never have a consistent prayer life, but all of a sudden I'm in a pickle, so... Shoot one up to God. They're the 911 prayers. They're prayers that are born out of selfishness, definitely not born out of relationship. They're these types of prayers. I'll talk to you when I need you. They're those types of prayers. See, selfish prayers say the following things. Because some of us, I wonder, are like, man, do I pray those prayers? Man, I hope I don't pray those prayers. I don't want to pray those prayers. But maybe this will help you because selfish prayers say this. Number one, God, this is what I want. This is what I want. Oh, I'll make a list. This is what I want. You might say, well, that's not necessarily bad. And I would agree with you. No, it's not. Be specific in your prayers. But it's not just, God, this is what I want. But here's the next thing selfish prayers say. God, this is when I want it. Like, God, I'm going to tell you what I want and then I'm for sure going to tell you when I want it. Like, I'm going to tell you what I want, God, and then I'm going to give you a deadline. And usually that deadline is not tomorrow, it's yesterday. God, this is what I want, this is when I want it. Here's, here's a third thing selfish prayers say. God, you better follow through if you want me to pray again. See, I have no doubt in my mind in a crowd this size that there's some people and you've stopped praying because of that last one. You can look back to a time and you say, man, I remember when I prayed this and God didn't follow through in the way that I think he should have, so I haven't prayed again since. Selfish prayers. 
God, this is what I want. This is when I want it. And you better follow through if you want me to pray again. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of, have you ever been in a store like, I mean, our, our, we have kids and you go to Toys R Us or you go to Walmart or you go to any of these stores, maybe it's a grocery store, and you ever seen a kid like just full out throw a tantrum? Like full out throw a tantrum. Some of you are like, yeah, it was my kid yesterday. You ever see that like go down, that meltdown? And I remember being in some stores and, and seeing a kid do that, and man, like I was getting angry at that kid, and it wasn't even my kid. And they're just full out melt time. This is what I want. This is what I want it. Why won't you get it for me? I want it right now. You've seen it happen. I remember growing up, you know what my dad, my dad had a rule. You want to know what that rule was? Here was the rule. If you embarrass me, I'll embarrass you. That was a rule. I remember one time, I was definitely saying, this is what I want, when I want it. And I remember we were in a restaurant, and I was being a smart aleck. I know some of you don't know what that means, but I was being a jerk or, or obnoxious to my dad. And my dad had a certain way of reminding me that that was not the case, which I'm not going to tell you what that was because you might judge him. But nevertheless, he got the message across that this is what I want when I want it was not acceptable. But isn't that how often we act? We act like that kid on the screen is glowing red. God, if you don't follow through, I'm not going to pray again. So it better happen the way that I want when I want it, my agenda. Selfish prayers. James even speaks to this writing to the church at Jerusalem. And he's writing in chapter 4, verse 3, because he's writing to them saying, hey, you know why your prayers aren't being answered? Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. Because you want to spend it on your passions. It's all about you. It's about your agenda. It's God meeting your agenda. Like, I'm God. God, you're my servant God, you're here to do my bidding. My prayer is a slot machine, genie in the bottle, whatever you want to call it. I'm putting in my order, and I expect it done yesterday. Selfish prayers. Like, we would be embarrassed to even say that we pray these, but I've prayed them. I'll admit it. And I'm probably sure you have as well. Philippians 2, 3 says this, do nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. So if Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, then I can say he's making a broad brush, 100% statement, so I can put it in that my prayers should not be motivated out of selfish ambition. God, what I want, when I want it, you better follow through, or I'm not praying again. Like, who am I? Who are you? You know what I've found? That when I pray selfish prayers... They're never kingdom-minded. And what I mean by that, they're never motivated by the gospel advancing in my life with those around me, in my church, for the gospel advancing in the city, for God, the gospel advancing in the nation and world. Selfish prayers are never kingdom-minded because it's my agenda. But here's the other thing you need to understand. Selfish prayers, when we really get down to the root, are idolatry. Because when I pray selfish prayers, what I'm worshiping is not God. I'm worshiping my agenda. God, this is my agenda. So you do, it, do what I want, when I want, and you better follow through or else. It's idolatry. 
Because whenever I worship something other than God, that's what idolatry is. And I wonder how many of us this morning, if we're really honest with ourselves, would say, God, I've prayed selfish prayers. God, I'm not approaching you the right way. Here's another type of prayer. Self-focused prayers. So you're like, when are we getting to Ephesians 1? We'll be there in a second, I promise you. Self-focused prayers. Now listen, praying for myself, my needs, is a good thing. We see all over the scriptures where we're told to take our needs to the Lord, do we not? We see those things. God wants you to take your burdens. God wants you to take your fears. God wants you to take your disappointments. God wants you to take your anxieties to him. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplications, big word for your needs, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God wants to know your needs. So I'm not saying that's a wrong prayer to pray, but it's not supposed to stop there. Self-focused prayers are not where not to be the extent of my prayer life. Because remember, I made reference to Philippians 2, the first part of 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Look at what the next part of verse 3 says, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What's Paul saying? It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not just a praying about my needs. It's not just about praying about my disappointments. It's not just praying about, praying about my anxieties. It's not just about praying for my fears or, or my provision. Those are great things, but that's not where it stops. I mean, think about it. If I came to church, and I came to church with a mirror, and I walked around like this the whole time, and you came up and said, Johnny, I want you to pray for something, and I'm like this, and I'm like, absolutely, I'm going to pray for you. And then after the service, you came up afterwards, and I'm shaking your hands, but I'm looking at this mirror the entire time, which is really awkward right now. But I'm, but I'm doing that, and I'm walking around, and everywhere I go, I'm looking straight into this mirror. Everything that I do, wouldn't you say, dude, he is a little weird, a bit narcissistic, a bit egotistical, a bit full of himself. Why? Because everywhere I go, I'm looking at me and no one else. And because I'm looking at me and no one else, I don't see anybody else. And how often are we like that? It's only about me. God, I'm thankful I have a personal relationship with you. And God, you want to hear about my needs, and you want to hear about my struggles, and you want to hear those things, and you want me to take those things to you. But that should not be the extent of my prayers. It's about also saying, what's going around with others around me who are struggling with their fears, who are struggling with anxieties, who are struggling with disappointments, who are struggling with health issues, who are struggling with relationships, and on and on and on and on. I'm not the only one. Self-focused prayers. 
So now we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, and I want to show you what Paul has to say about the way that we pray so that it's not selfish prayers, so that it's not only self-focused prayers. He says there in verses 18 through 20, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. So in verse 18 through 20, Paul is closing out a section where he's talking about the reality of every person embracing that we are in a spiritual battle. We are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a target on your back, and we're all in a spiritual battle. And he makes that a point for the church at Ephesus to remember, and he goes through the armor of God, and he says, take on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the evil one. But the way that we stand is by praying. And so he goes now to verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Like I'm making sure I'm surrendered to what the Spirit wants me to pray. And praise God we have in Romans 8 that even sometimes when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for us. But praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. There's that word again, taking my needs to God. To that end, he says, keep alert with all perseverance. Like, let me be alert. Like, I promise you that if you were going into a physical battle, you know what you'd be doing? You'd be praying. What Paul is saying is, is we're in a spiritual battle, and we need to keep alert, and we need to keep praying. But notice, he just doesn't say this about themselves. Like, you need to pray for yourself, but he says, making supplications. There's that word again. Taking others' needs. He says, making supplication for all the saints. Say all. All. Not just for you. Not just for your wife or your husband. Not just for your kids. Not just for your boyfriend or girlfriend. Not just for those in your life group or in your friendship circles. No, no, no. All the saints. Because we're all in a spiritual battle. We're all going through different things. And also for me, he says, that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Here's the third type of prayer, selfless prayers. Selfless prayers. I mean, isn't that what he says in verse 18? He says, you need to pray at all times, but make sure that when you're praying at all times, that you're making supplications, that you're praying for the needs of all the saints, not just you. Not just those in your family, though those are good prayers, but that's not where they stop. No, no, no. For all the saints, selfless prayers. See, selfless prayers, not self-focused prayers, selfless prayers say this, God, would you make your strength known to blank as they walk through blank and fill it in? Like, we want to pray that for ourselves, but don't you think? That that person that you see that sits across from you every Sunday, don't you think that they need that prayer? Don't you think that they need that prayer of those in in your life group? Don't you think that the leadership of this church needs those prayers? Don't you think that the names of those that we showed on the screen need those prayers? Don't you think the people in Houston need those prayers? God, would you make yourself straight, your strength known to, whether that's the loss of loved ones as they walk through discouragement and loss, 
or health issues or cancer or whatever it is. God, I want to pray selfless prayers. God, would you make your strength known to whoever as they walk through whatever? Here's another one. God, would you heal whoever of their whatever? Like we turn on the TV and we see so much. It's so discouraging, right? We see racism, we see riots, we see calamities, we see catastrophes. But when you watch that on the screen, do you stop and say, Lord, would you heal our state, our city, our nation of the racism that's prevalent? God, would you heal our land of the spiritual ignorance and opposition that plagues it, or whatever it is, rather than saying, hmm, well, I prayed for my stuff today. See, selfless prayers say, not only, God, would you make your known strength to whoever as they walk through whatever, God, would you heal whoever of their whatever, fill in the blanks, but here's a third thing that selfless, not self-focused prayers say, God, would you provide for blank Would you provide blank for blank? God, would you provide, put the name in there, put the person in there. Would you provide this for this? Like, when's the last time we prayed those prayers? When's that last time you prayed for, even, think about this, our government leaders? You know that politician that you just love to just, rant and rave about on talk radio or whatever news station and just rant and rave when's the last time you said god i don't know if that man or that woman is a follower of jesus christ so god would you provide salvation for someone to come and share the gospel for that person makes me think of second timothy one second timothy two i'm sorry verses one through seven where paul talks about praying for kings and authorities that have the rule over you. And it's interesting that he mentions the reason why we should pray, as he says in verse 4, that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul writes this in prison, knowing that he's about to have his head cut off by Nero. And he says, pray for our kings and our authorities who are godless, that they would come to know Jesus. It's the last time we prayed that. We're praying selfless prayers. Because Paul makes a point in this passage of Scripture that the church at Ephesus, he says, don't just pray for yourself, but pray for the needs of the saints and beyond. Here's the last prayer, surrendered prayers. Selfish prayers, don't want those. Look to your neighbor and say, don't want selfish prayers. We don't want those. Though oftentimes we pray them and we need to ask forgiveness of our selfishness and treating God like some bank or some teller. God, forgive us of the selfish prayers. Self-focused prayers, those are good prayers, but that's not all we want to pray. And we want to pray selfless prayers, but here's the last type of prayer we want to pray. And we want to pray surrendered prayers. We want to pray surrendered prayers. Because look at verses 19 and 20. Paul says, hey, make supplications like take the needs of all the saints before our Heavenly Father But then he says, would you pray also for me? And you're like, wait a minute, you said no selfish prayers. But that's not a selfish prayer. Because look at what he prays for. Look at it in verses 19 and 20. 
He says, and pray also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Some of you may not know this, but Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus while he's in his first imprisonment in Rome. It's where he writes, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And he's about to go before Nero. He's about to go before the magistrates. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. We know he's freed. He didn't know that. And he says to the church at Ephesus, hey, as you're praying for others, would you pray for me? Would you pray some selfless prayers for me? But isn't it interesting? I don't know. I find this so interesting. And I would think you would as well, that it's interesting that Paul asked the church at Ephesus to, to, to pray for him, but he doesn't ask to be freed from prison. Raise your hands. How many of you think that'd be a good prayer to pray? Nothing wrong with that prayer. If I was in Paul's shoes, I'd be like, hey, can you pray that I'm freed from prison? And nobody would judge you for that. Nobody. If he said, well, hey, would you pray that I could get some food, that someone could bring me some food? None of us would say, Paul, what a selfish prayer to pray. Nobody would say that. Paul prays that in other letters that he writes. He doesn't say pray for clothing. He doesn't pr say prayer for any of those things. What I find so interesting is that what he prays for is that he would be surrendered to the mission field that God has placed him. He says, I want you to pray for me. Look at it again in verse 19. He says, so that I can proclaim boldly the gospel. And then he says, right now, you know what I am? I am an ambassador in chains. I'm in prison. And I'm praying that you would help me to surrender fully to the mission field that God has me right now, which is this little jail. Help me to remember that my primary calling in life is an ambassador. That's not a selfish prayer. That's not a self-focused prayer. That's a surrendered prayer. And it's a prayer that God wants us to pray. Because listen to me, when I embrace that my primary calling as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be his ambassador, to be his representative, which means, God, it's not what I want to say, it's what you want me to say. It's not what I want to do, it's what you want me to do. God, it's not my agenda, it's your agenda. Why? Because I'm an ambassador of the king. I'm a representative of him. And when I understand that as my primary calling, it affects the way that I pray. It can't help but affect the way that I pray. It's going to affect the way that I pray, and it's going to motivate me to pray surrendered prayers. See, surrendered prayers say the following things. Gave you what selfish prayers say. Gave you what selfless prayers say. Here's what I believe are some things that surrendered prayers say. They say this, God, help me to see myself as your missionary today. We talked about this last week, but I believe it needs emphasis again. Remember what I said? Every person that's a follower of Jesus Christ that's placed their trust in Jesus Christ's perfect life, perfect death, and resurrection for their sins is in full-time ministry. You remember that? If you weren't here, go watch it on our website. 
full-time ministry, that God, would you help me to see myself as your missionary today? I pray that for myself this week. We prayed that for our kids when we prayed with them when they went to bed and went to school the next morning. Help Lily and Lucas to realize, be reminded that they're a missionary today. That's a surrendered prayer. Here's another surrendered prayer. God, give me, help me to see where you have placed me as my mission field. Paul said, right now my mission field is this jail. I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm not here because God was surprised. This is where God wants me right now. God wants you in this city. God wants you where you work. God wants you to be, if you're a college student, in that college that you are, in that club that you're in, on that sports team that you're in. Whatever it is, that's your mission field. Here's a third prayer that Surrendered Prayer says. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel with fill in the blank today. You know what I found? That when I pray in a day, God, would you give me eyes to see the opportunities that you have for me today to share the gospel? I have yet to have God not answer that prayer. I've been disobedient in times and not taking that opportunity, but God's given it. That's surrendered prayer. Here's a prayer that might scare you, but it's an awesome prayer to pray. And it's a prayer that we ought to pray. God, here I am, send me. Wherever, whenever, to whoever, because I'm yours forever. When have you prayed that? When have you prayed that? And I remember times in my life where I knew God wanted me to pray that, and I was scared to death. But every time I've been willing to pray that, I have been able, God has graciously allowed me to see him follow through in ways that I would have missed out on had I not prayed that surrendered prayer. Can I be honest? I wouldn't be here right now. Those people that we prayed for on that screen, they wouldn't be where they're at right now. Paul says, man, my primary calling not about me. It's about me being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. God, send me whoever, whenever, wherever, because I'm yours forever. And when we pray those types of prayers for us, you know what the result is? We're going to want to pray those prayers for other people. We're going to be motivated to pray for others beyond ourselves. talked about at the beginning of this message, at the beginning of this series, that prayer is not just about what, what we want God to answer, that prayer is about the prayer, what God wants to do in the prayer. And what God wants to do is he calls you to pray and he calls me to pray is for me to be surrendered and dependent upon him. That's the greatest work that God wants me to do as I pray. So may we not pray selfish prayers. May we not only pray self-focused prayers, but man, may we also pray selfless prayers and surrendered prayers, not just for ourselves, but for those around us in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation, and across this world.